I know you're good, but who am I? Jimmy, are you in there? Yeah, I told you I was back from summer camp because it's not summer anymore. Oh, Jimmy, I'm so proud of you. That's such great logical thinking there. Do you want to come downstairs for two hot dogs, one with ketchup on the bun, the other one with mustard, and some wavy potato chips, and a soda pop? Hold the soda pop, the wavy potato chips, the hot dog with the ketchup on the bun, the hot dog with the mustard on the bun, and both of the buns. Yeah, that's my favorite. I'll be right down. Okay, Jimmy. I'll see you down there. I don't. (laughs) Chris, trying to do an intro. Sorry. Please. Sorry. Professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Yes! <laughs> Back to. Yes! Back to the paid search. Oh, yes! Podcast. The, the My hip, name is Jason Rothman. As always, hip thrust. I'm Chris. You guys Chris. can't see it. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Chris, I'm trying to do an intro. Sorry. It takes so long. Now I have to start over. No, please, no. Oh, please, no. G- no, please. <laughs> right. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the great Chris Schaefer. Chris. I'm looking at you wearing a shirt uh-huh. with a pocket yep. on your chest. The pocket's empty. I can't handle that. Oh, Please that, put a right. pen in the pocket. Sorry. Here we go. And the pocket. We've talked about this. There we go. It's very distracting. There it is. In now it's pocket. pointing to the side. Please straighten it up and okay. then we'll, well be good. Too, the, long, the, the pocket's too short. So there you go. How's that? There we go. Right. You ready, pod? Let's pod. Uh, let's pod. I'm I'm Chris and uh, I'm here. I'm, a, I, I'm what you call a supporting actor for the star, Jason Rothman. Jason, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being here. Thank you for lifting us all up to, to, to wherever we are now. Uh, but uh, thanks, guys. If you are into Google Ads, hey, I mean, do you, you like leads? You like selling things? You like selling things for other people and then making money because you sold their stuff? We're going to talk about that, and we know you like that because we've got a ton of questions to talk about that you guys sent in. This is an interactive show, and we're going to answer questions from the U.S., from around the world. All you guys have all kinds of interesting questions about search, display, remarketing, YouTube, ads, keywords, and we're going to talk about them, and... You're going to like it because these are we give very specific advice. We give very specific information. We don't give general pie-in-the-sky kind of stuff. Jason and I are professional Google Ads managers independent of each other. We're not just part of an agency together and we're just kind of winging it. No, we earn our living, living separately. We come together once a week to talk to you about Google Ads. That's what we're here for. So welcome. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. I uh, just so everyone knows, yesterday we did our first for the super patrons. We did our first live hangout mm. uh, with everyone in that group, or people who showed up for the call, and then uh, people who it didn't was, can access it still. It was a uh, Wednesday. It was a lot of fun today. Yeah, it's just so you know, it was on a Wednesday. We don't do it on like a Sunday. Uh, we do it on a Wednesday. So. Oh, good point. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. We record this Thursday, and uh, I think it was a great call. 
people were a little taken aback at the way I treat you and talk to you and talk over you and, and talk down your points uh, off the air. Yeah. When no one's like, around. I still do it. We don't put on a show. Like, uh, no. the funniest this, thing this to me, it. that was the very first time you and I have interacted live with an audience. And the funniest thing is I'm talking to them and no one says anything. Everyone just stares at the screen. I'm like, guys, I'm here. I'm looking at you. Everybody was kind of like, kind of like, oh, right. I'm not just listening. I'm not just a, you know, a, a voice in their ear or a face on the yeah, screen. Yeah, you're used to you're used to getting feedback before <laughs> you're even even done with your thought there. So yeah. that was a lot of fun. And um, uh, next month, I think we're going to have a preset list of uh, topics that are kind of on people's minds that we gather ahead of time, mm-hmm. and that'll be fun to go go through. But that was a lot of fun. Um, Chris, want to read a five star review? And then we're going to hear from our sponsor, and then we're going to get into uh, the Q&A today. But uh, this this one comes from Great Britain. It's from Joe. Uh, a must-listen podcast for marketers. So many great insights into PPC search advertising. I would recommend this podcast for anyone looking to further their understanding in the field. You're both tier one intellects, and I thank you for, some might say crazily, giving all this mm. great guidance away for free. Mm. Mm-hmm. I listen to the pod whilst in the gym after work. You train my brain as I train my bulging biceps <laughs> and cheese grating abs. <laughs> Your synergy and excellent humor means that unlike so many marketing-oriented podcasts, it isn't a complete bore to listen to. Keep it up, gents. Love from Joe, United Kingdom. Wow. Jason, I have to, I have to say, um, I feel like we could work on the excitement on the way that you read those reviews. I can feel the excitement behind Joe's review. I just feel like your delivery lacks the cheese grating, six pack ab enthusiasm that Joe shared. But uh, we'll work on that. You know, can't get the full package. Honestly, I've got I've got nothing left after my intro. So <laughs> you give it all up, all the screaming and hip thrusting at the beginning. And just you know, the, the other thing with the reviews, you never know what you're getting into when you start reading. That's those, true because the way people spell things and the wording, and also the international flavor to some of the reviews and the all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to uh, that's true do it unless you're just going boom through it. Let me tell you guys how my butt was saved this week from Optio. Optio is an online software that helps people like me, people like Jason, and people like you, whether you're an agency or a freelancer, they help you manage your Google ads, whether it's one account or 500 accounts. Uh, This is a tool designed to help you get more done faster in Google ads. And let me tell you how to save my butt this week. This week, my client changed some of the structure of their website, you know, and how that happens. They go in, they change something and they don't tell you. And, uh, my ads, uh, were still running, but they weren't showing an error. They had some kind of custom 404 page. And so Google wasn't disapproving them. Um, but they noticed that the site links, the, the Optio system noticed that the site links were broken, which you don't ever get an email for that. 
right? You get an email for broken ads, but you don't ever get an email for broken site links. That's how Optio saved my butt because the ads were still running. The site links were broken. Once I investigated and I looked into it and I realized, oh, they changed the whole structure of the URL system. Oh boy. I had to go in and change all the final URLs for the ads and the site links. And I did it very quickly. They had no idea that I missed it, but, uh, it was all thanks to Optio. If you want to try this wonderful tool that can also save your butt at times like this, when you miss important things and, and there was no communication from the client, even though it's not your fault, you could still bear the brunt of that mistake. So avoid mistakes like this. Be smart. Try optio.com slash PSP2. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash PSP2. I tell you that because go to the little chat box down at the bottom. Tell them you want eight weeks for free. Demand it because you have a right because you listen to the Pay Search podcast and that's the special that we're offering. Uh, there are very popular sponsors. People on the show use them all the time. You'll like it. Try them out. Thanks, Chris. And uh, we're going to get into it here. We have a big Mm. Uh, list of questions here. Big Q&A. We love doing this. Send us your questions, paidsearchpodcast.com on the contact page, Facebook, YouTube comments, tweets. I would say Instagram, but neither of us know how to log into what? our Instagram account because <laughs> no. we're from a different generation. And um, Chris, I'm seeing that more and more, even though I'm a little bit younger than you. Compared to the youth these days, I am, I am now officially in a Totally different yep. uh, Doesn't generation. Doesn't take long, does it? Nope. So this question comes from Gino. Not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, I'm going to say Gino. Thank you for writing in. From Romania. I am a longtime listener of your podcast, and I greatly appreciate every episode. I am learning something new with every episode. My question is about remarketing display ads. I have an audience with all website visitors and an audience with people who visited a specific product category. If I use both audiences for separate remarketing ads, and I'm going to throw in ad groups, ad groups there, yeah. uh, which ad will show to the people who are in both audience? So Chris, we've got a general remarketing audience, everyone who's been to the site. Then we have a specific one, people who visited uh, this product category, but if you're a lead gen com a lead company trying to get leads, it could just be a different service page. You're running two ad groups in the same campaign, or you know you could be two different campaigns. Doesn't really matter, but you've got two audiences. Some a lot of people could be on both of those audiences. How do you know who's going to see which ads? Yeah. Yep. Well. Uh, the, Good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I see things like this all the time because people get really creative with the re remarketing and they start to break out and funnel down different audiences. And uh, the answer is unless you make a distinction based on bid, there is no difference. They're essentially going to see one or the other and it's going to bounce back and forth. There is no preference. Um, so... To make a proper adjustment to this, my suggestion is this. Choose the more specific ad uh, based on the specific page uh, who visited a specific product category, as you said, and bid that up just a little bit higher. 
You know, if your main all audience uh, is 50 cents, uh, you're bidding 50 cents for those, put the other one at maybe 65 or 70 cents, uh, something like that. Bid it up just a little bit. What that does is it will raise the ad rank and make those show just a little bit more, but they'll still be able to see both. Now, if you want to very rarely show the general and mainly spend your money on the specific, in that case, I would suggest um, either doing one or two things. Put a very big gap between the main all audience and the specific targeted page audience. Put a bigger gap. So if one is 50 cents, put the other one at a dollar, dollar fifty, something like that, a bigger difference. Or put two different campaigns and limit the budget on one severely and give a bigger budget to the other. Uh, it's your it's your choice on what you want to do there. But, uh, but yeah, it's essentially for your case, you're showing equal for uh, for either. Chris, I like that advice. Now let me let me talk to the real remarketing advertisers out there and talk our language, ah. not the language Chris is talking. <laughs> what Chris means by like fifty cent bids oh and boy. then put one of them at seventy five cents. What he's saying is if you're bidding thirty dollars oh on both ad groups, put one of them to sixty. That's what he's saying to the real remarketing <laughs> advertisers out there like myself who oh. aren't scared to Man. Raise the bid a little bit on remarketing because remarketing works. I'm exaggerating maybe <laughs> a, a little, little, but not by a much, little. Chris. I'm looking at one of my remarketing campaigns now. It's at $10. We brought it back down. <laughs> but hey, that's still a thousand percent more yes, than or is. more than that that you were talking about. So yeah, $10. No problem. The cost per click's coming in at four. What's the problem? Yeah. Anyone who's been to our website knows they've been a victim of Jason's remarketing. So yeah, <laughs> we've seen screenshots of like, guys, what are you doing? The whole page will just be our face everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, when I approached this question, I was thinking the same thing as you were thinking. It's number one, um, unless the idea I'm going to come up with in a second can handle this, there's not much you can do about it. Unless the idea I'm going to come up with can handle it which it might. And if both audiences are, people are, are on both audiences and those audiences are, are in different ad groups or campaigns, who's going to see what? Well, we can't do nothing about it unless what I'm going to come up with is correct. Okay. Um, but then if they are on both audiences and you're doing that, it does come down to, like you're saying, ad rank, right? Whatever you're bidding more on should get in a higher ad rank. But of course, ad rank has some quality score even on display. Yep. And so you may have to bid a little more than you think. But Yes, control your ad rank uh, by controlling your bids and bid more on the more valuable one. Also, don't worry about it too much because everyone's been to your website and they're all on your remarketing list to, to an extent. So focus on the data, focus on the conversions, focus on the time on site, the bounce rate, the uh, uh, pages per session, and just optimize it that way. But there's one thing I was thinking, Chris. What if you exclude... This would only work one way, I think. You, I think you could exclude by going to audiences and then exclusions, audience exclusions, yep. browse. Yes, so you can do this. You can exclude the specific product category or the specific service page audience from your overall remarketing list, campaign or ad group. I, I don't know if you exclude your overall. I think, I think you could doesn't matter in this case. Yeah. In the in the second case because if you're targeting people who've only been to your 
product or service page, that's who's going to see that audience. Mm -hmm. That's who that audience is. So you don't need to exclude anything. That audience will always only be that audience. For the ad group where you're targeting your overall audience, just add your specific product or service page audience as an exclusion, and it should exclude that group from your overall remarketing ad group. However, you may not want to do that. Because sometimes those people are going to perform well, even if they're on, they may perform better on the overall list than they would on the, the uh, specific page. Probably not, but you never know. So it's something you want to test. But if you want to do it, that's how you control things, that excluded audience list. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's something I, I, I worry about a bit is exclu- Fancy. excluding people to, you know, to a specific audience like that is... Um, if I, you know, if they drop off of one, I still want to advertise mm. to them on the other. So, you know, if they drop off of the, uh, you know, the main and they're only on the specific, okay. But what if they drop off of the, uh, the specific and it's still excluding them somehow? You know, sometimes I get a little wary of excluding, you know, but I can understand if you are bidding quite a bit, then maybe it does make a bit more difference. It just depends on your strategy for bids, you know, how how high you want to go on bids and how much that really matters. But um Anyway, there's a whole. You want to hear something messed up? Yeah. About remarketing, I work with a company who does a ton of remarketing, a lot of different lists and all that kind of stuff. And they're pool builders. They build pools in people's backyards. Why not the front yard? I don't know. Maybe that could be a new thing. <laughs> yeah. What if that caught on? I'm sure everyone would love that. Can you imagine yeah. if people just started doing pools in their front yeah. yard? That would be that'd be interesting. Maybe if it was like five percent cheaper, people would start doing it. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Lots of lists. Pool builders has pools have to do with homes. Homes have to do with new rules with demographics. We excluded the eighteen to twenty four year old demographic from their re, their remarketing campaigns because you know what eighteen to twenty four year olds don't do buy pools. They don't do their homework. Oh, just kidding. What? They, they don't eat their vegetables. <laughs> they don't listen to their educational podcast about Google Ads. Yeah, they do. Big in that demo, Chris. They don't build pools in their backyards because they don't own homes. Right. And even if they did, they want to be spending it on pools. Right. Well, we got the new rule came out. You can't do demographics with anything related to housing and stuff. Wow. So we had to get rid of that. Yeah. Wow. So now we're potentially remarketing to potentially 18 to 24-year-olds <laughs> um, because we can't exclude them. I guess that's a big deal if you're paying 60 bucks a click for uh, a remarketing <laughs> We're not bidding 60 bucks a click <laughs> on their account. That just happens to be a specialty I like to do to myself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then I pay half of that money too. I'm like, hey, Chris, I'm going to put 60 bucks on this. You going to split that with me? I guess. <laughs> Is that your fantasy of me asking for approval? Because that's... Yeah. Oh, you know you do. Never, never played out oh, like yeah. that. I just Hey, do Chris, it. what do you think about this? And then I say no. And then you beg. And then beg. And then beg. Douglas... From uh, our patron. Getting it, out. getting it out today. A patron, which if you'd like to join, by the way, paidsearchpodcast.com, click on the Patreon link, you can join. Hey guys, love the show. I have a client, a high-end realtor, working with a developer in Switzerland with prospective buyers coming from many countries. And he lists these off, they're all over the place. So let's just leave it at that. How do I account for all of the different languages? Do I need separate campaigns for each language or is there a way to streamline the setup for this? Thanks in advance for any input, Doug. 
Wow. Mm. So let's use our thinking brains here, Chris. Um, this is something new for sure because he wants. I want. I want to get new. I want to get actual verbiage here from the from the system. That's why okay. I'm so so what, what he's a little bit. What I assume Doug is talking about here is he is uh, referring to the ad copy itself. You know, not the settings in the account, whether you're targeting a certain language or not, but I well, assume that's how I took it. We, we, we could answer both of them because that's how oh, I took okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I'll let you start once you, uh, you get, you get the official wording up. So uh, if people are looking for realtors in Switzerland, homes in Switzerland, number one, he's going to be doing his, uh, targeting in the locations of all those different countries he mentioned. Because people are in, they're not in Switzerland. They're in those other countries doing searches in all those different local languages about realtors in Switzerland. So if I'm in the United States and I want to search for a realtor in Switzerland, I'll do realtor in Switzerland. If I'm in, uh, Australia speaks English. If I'm in Germany and I do uh, realtors in Switzerland, that would be however you say that in in German. So, mm, so you have campaigns in local languages or in local areas. Now let's read the lo- language targeting. Um, if you tr- if you try to communicate this from Google, if you try to communicate with others who don't speak the same language, you might find it tough to get your message across. Thanks, Google. Thanks for that <laughs> sentence, but this is help documentation. Maybe we can they're cut hitting, that one. They're hitting a word, like a, a, a word minimum in their help docs. You know, the guy's like, I need yeah, a 500 that, word. That, there wasn't, there wasn't much uh, meat to that, <laughs> that sentence there. Simmer. I can't do this two weeks in a row. I can't say it's, it's, it's similar, Chris. Uh-oh. Uh, I'll, here, I know how to pronounce it. Similar. E. Similar. Sim- I don't know what the word is. Similarly. Yeah. When advertising using Google ads, you want your ads to appear to customers who can understand them. Oh, I mean. (laughs) Come on, Google. Get to the (laughs) meat. I'm done with the milk here. Statement there. (laughs) All right. Language targeting uh, uh, lets you target your ads to potential customers who use Google products and third-party websites based on the language those customers understand. Uh, Language targeting allows you to choose the language of the potential customers you'd like to reach. Keep in mind, Google doesn't translate ads or keywords. So when it comes to your language settings, if you're targeting a campaign in the United States, here's my advice. Take that English default language and remove it. Yep. Remove your language and target all languages because they're saying this is the new rule change they update. It used to be based on browser setting, all, all that kind of stuff. But now it's based on just what Google thinks the person understands. So they think the the language they think they understand. So if someone does, uh, if they live in a Spanish speaking household and all their searches are in Spanish every day and their browser is always set to Spanish, but then they find, they decide to search for a realtor in Switzerland um, and they actually do the keywords realtor in Switzerland, your keyword, you would want to make sure you don't only have the English languages you're setting because then you want to get in front of them because Google thinks that's a Spanish uh, speaking person and they have their language set to that. So you want to do all languages because it's based on your keywords yeah. as I understand it. Yeah. If you if you do realtors in Switzerland is your keyword and you target the United States, 
you want anybody that can type that out in English in your in their search engine. So go ahead and get rid of the language restrictions and people who type your keyword will show up. Alternatively, when you run a campaign in Germany, you may want to have English language keywords. Some people there may do a search in English, especially when they're doing cross-border uh, business in Europe, realtors in Switzerland, English keyword. But then you also probably want to have a local German keyword if you can handle that German uh, speaking uh, people calling you, you could have the German keyword. So keywords are where you show up. That that determines who you show up for. But the second step is what language Google kind of assigns to that user. And if you've got it locked down to English, even if they search for your keyword, the same keyword that you have, if Google deems them in a different language uh, as a user, then your ad potentially won't show. So I think our big takeaway is uh, make sure you, you have your language settings set to all languages. That's what I do. I, it sounds kind of risky to say that, Chris. Like, it doesn't sound right. Set your language to all languages. But that's my default. What about you? Yeah. I, I mean, it, well, it depends. That's a whole discussion I'd have to say based on budget and uh, and the industry. But, yeah, typically if I have the budget and it's a wide enough industry and I feel that, you know, the region or whatever I'm, I'm doing is going to cross a lot of barriers in language, then absolutely. I mean, I, 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 the, I, the thing I think we're missing in Google ads is a, is a metric. We are really, well, I was metric- just about to tell you, that. I've got good news for you. You'd be interested in this. You'd be a little hesitant to add all languages because you only have a fixed budget and you want to focus on English, uh, speakers. Google deems the user an English speaker. I've got good news for you. You can now segment out your data by language what? and it tells you the performance by language. There's also a report for it and you can see, hey, are all these languages that I'm targeting because I removed the English only and people are searching the same keywords, whatever key- language my keywords are in. Um, I want to know how it's performing based on the language the user is deemed to be in and see if you should keep keep those in there. We now have a report for that. We now have a, a segment button for that. And we now have flying cars because yeah, it's the year 2050, jerk. Chris. I'd, man. I'm just, no, honestly, what I'm trying to do, we don't have that yet. <laughs> Everyone a, out there, calm down. We don't have that yet. <laughs> man, I'm over. I had Chris going. I he thought you had me, me up but, on one. I was like, you, he did but, it. What I want to do, me. Chris, we don't have that yet. We don't have that yet. But did you hear how much sense yeah. it made yeah, coming it out of my mouth there? Yeah. Like, it made sense. It sounded so useful. And maybe... Google's out there listening. Maybe if we had that data, people could see that people speaking all these other languages mm. were actually performing well on their English keywords, and they would be more open to leaving all those other languages on, yep. as opposed to leaving it on English only. Yep. And we could spend more money on Google, and Google could grow its revenue, and that would be a win-win. Mm. And we're all about win-wins because no one loses. So give us that report, please. Please. And we'll spend more. And and we'll spend more. How about that? Yep. I just wanted to throw it out there and kind of paint the full picture. Like, Thank you. Man, wouldn't this be unbelievable? So I, I'm glad I painted that nice picture for you. And uh, you can it keep was, uh, dreaming about it before you fall yeah, asleep. It was a fantasy. Okay. Chris, you run any other language campaigns? No. Never. No. I only speak English. So I've had people contact me and ask, you know, will you work with a Spanish speaking person that will build the campaign for you? And I'm like, sure, but 
what am I going to do after it tr- gets turned on? I can't optimize it, so it just sits there. So no, I mean, for, if you're a if you're a mono lang language guy like me, uh, no, I don't do anything more than just English. I just last week built a a huge Spanish campaign. Wow, all Spanish, really? Yeah. And I I do it now. Yeah, it's something I do. Wow. Spanish, Espanol. So, um, Chris, next question comes in from from John from the Philippines. Hi, Chris and Jason. I love you both. Have you guys dealt with the details on attribution models? I'm managing a huge spending account with a team, and what makes sense to the business according to them? It, ooh. Ooh, Ooh, this is only text here, Chris, but I picked something <laughs> yeah. up there. I picked something up there with that word. According to them, is a data-driven attribution model. Ooh, maybe I'm uh, just putting on my own issues on this sentence because it's about attribution models, and I've had some beef yeah. in the past about that. Yeah. Um, according to them, is a data-driven attribution model. Lead gen, tons of conversions. Can you guys lay out the foundations and technical stuff? So, Chris, we're talking about attribution models for conversions tell us what that is and then tell us what you do okay so attribution model as you may or may not realize is something that's buried inside of something inside of something else so many of you may not even consider it because it does not show up on the ui in the normal Uh, space where you would change keywords, you would never see it. This is inside of something, inside of something else. So if you want to see it, it's inside your conversions, which I just lost, you know, uh, a third of you there who don't even have conversions set up. Uh, And then... No, because you should use the tag manager, dude, because it's easy. Someone on on, uh, our Patreon Facebook group said, hey, a little bit off topic, but I have a question about uh, Tag Manager. It's not working. We put the code in the container and all that kind of stuff. What do we do? Chris, I can't tell you how tempted I was to just leave a comment there and said, and I would have said, you, you should really try out the Tag Manager. It makes things easy. Because anytime yeah. the word conversions comes out of our mouths on this show, we get comments and emails from people. How come you don't use a tag manager? You should use the tag manager. It makes things easy. It the tag doesn't. manager makes things easy. And he's posting that he had an issue with it. And I could have said that. Same but thing, I like, oh, you should use the tag so manager funny. to fix the tag manager. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the vibe you yeah, get from people it is. when they, they just say like, I'm, I'm having problems in my marriage. Like you should cheated. use the tag manager. I got to get over this for the family. <laughs> you should use the tag manager. <laughs> Have you showed your wife your tag manager? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would love it. It'll work out great. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, all right, attribution. Go. Got to go find that. It. Was yeah. <laughs> a little. Uh, it's a little uh, inside baseball humor there, but basically, inside of the conversions, once you are looking at your conversion, then click on the edit button inside of the conversion itself, and then look at the settings inside of that conversion, and you'll see attribution. That's where it is. It's tiny. So the only thing it's referring to is when that little conversion is assigned to that click, whether it's one click or in this case, what's really going to matter if it's multiple clicks. So if it's one click, attribution doesn't matter, then it's going to be, um, you know, that conversion is going to be assigned to that single click from that person. But I'll tell you about 20 to 30% on most campaigns 
um, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 to 30% come through multiple clicks, two or more clicks. And that's where attribution matters because when did they convert? They converted on their last click. But is that where you should put all of the weight of the campaign? Uh, is that where you yeah, should put all click of- gets credit yeah, is, for that conversion. Is that where you should put all of the weight of the campaign metrics? Should you put all that conversion value on that last click? And and what um, what John's talking about is, you know, what what's most important? What do we do? What do we find value in? And and essentially, if we're talking about lead gen, um, John, if it's a huge spending account, what I would assume is that you're hitting multiple levels of the funnel, and you are going from low intent, high funnel stuff all the way down to low funnel. Uh, low intent, oh, hold on, I got that backwards, uh, low funnel, high intent searches. So you're hitting all the points. Some are more expensive, some are cheaper. And in that case, for you with a high spending account, I would say um, something that attributes things across the scale of that uh, of that funnel process. So if they come to your website three different times, it, I think it would be a mistake for you to weight that with last click. But I'll tell you, John, you're working on something that is a not a common occurrence. If I were to lay out a whole system or, you know, the entire Google Ads accounts in the Google Ads uh, universe, it's going to be heavily weighted on the underfunded, underbudgeted scale. So in the end, for, I would say for most people, you're not going to be targeting that super low intent, high funnel and the low funnel, high intent type of stuff. You're, you're going to be largely pushing towards the high intent, low funnel types of things rather than the high um, uh, high funnel. So in the end, I'd say for most people in that case where you're underfunded, it's going to come down to probably last click or first and last click attribution or something like that. I wouldn't say that the uh, data driven or the um, you know anything else is going to be the best for that situation. But this is a hot topic. This is something where people get like really upset. I mean, I've had some discussions. I got upset before about this. So you know, it, it, that's just my opinion. Is all. I'm thinking about the people who are new to Google Ads who found our podcast and are like feeling out the platform and. They're learning about search terms. They're learning about bidding and all that kind of stuff. And they think they've got things under control. They're a few months into their process, managing a lot of accounts for an agency, that kind of thing. Workload's feeling a little bit overwhelming, but they're handling it week to week, getting through the day. <laughs> they think they, they've got it all down with Google Ads. And then we get on here and we talk about attribution models for conversions. And it's not as simple as just saying you know, one conversion in the column means yep. it, you got one conversion. Yep. No, what is a conversion? And it, I was just thinking like, oh man, this thing just never yeah. stops unwinding. The depth here. is... I guess that's why we're on podcast number 230, whatever, because yeah. and year number five, because it never ends. You can't even trust what a conversion is because imagine if you are in a super high conversion, super high lead count, super all over the funnel, different strategies kind of campaign like he was talking about. And then you're just someone accidentally set the attribution model to first click before you got into the account and you've been running on first click for years. Like, can you imagine how much that would mess yeah. things up? Um, oh, by the way, if you want to have a good time, read the data 
driven attribution model help page. Oh, I bet that's about what goes into that. Glorious. Wow, that is that is some interesting <laughs> yeah. stuff. There's there a reason, about like, yeah, John. There's a reason I didn't get technical on the data driven. It's because, eh, you. I mean you look that it up that yourself. thing is that thing goes deep. Yeah, <laughs> that thing goes deep. That's interesting. Uh, but yes, Chris. You can give it all to the last click. You can give it all to the first click. You can give it equally to all clicks that you get that led up to that conversion from that user. You can give it time decay, more clicks, more weight given to the most recent clicks that come in right before the conversion. And then they have a uh, position base that kind of spreads out the weighting. What did you say was your preferred for accounts that run like $500 a month to 3000 Last click. And they're just kind of straightforward legion. Last click. Okay, that's mine too. Yeah. That's mine too. I'm a hardcore lead generator. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. I don't I, I don't play with funnels, okay? My, my young son has toys. Some of them are funnels, and he puts them in his mouth and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> you just, I don't play with toys. You just said you I don't have do a son. funnels. We just, I'm sorry. We just passed, told people we passed a landmark. I don't think you've ever stated publicly that you have a son. Well, just congrats, Jason. Oh, really? On I, this podcast. I thought I did. Yeah. On the Patreon, you have, oh. but not here. I just I, oh. everyone just said, oh, "Jason has a son." Well, there we go. Beautiful son. He is changes you, Chris. He is. We could, I could go on and on. Broke my but, phone. Um, I broke my phone when you, you know what. You know what hurt me a little bit today. I, I was at the doctor's office with them. Everything's fine. Everything's okay, fine. It's just a routine checkup. I was in the car because I'm a good dad. Sure. And Cynthia was in there with them, and. uh I was watching parents walk their kids, their little babies and stuff, in and out of the doctor's office, mm -hmm. and all of them were looking at their kid like he was the most special kid yep. in the world, the most special boy or girl, and hugging him the way I hug mine and looking at them the way I love, love mine. And I was like, oh, wait. It, other people feel this way about their kids too. My, me, I, but he is the best boy. Yeah, but it's it, like you got, they're acting like they don't have you the guys best know boy. about what's going on? Don't you know? Don't you know about my kid? Why your kid? Eh, whatever, but look at mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know how you feel. But it was, it was nice to see. Yeah. Nice to see. Um, but yeah, he plays with funnels, Chris. Little toys. They're shaped like funnels in the bath, you know? <laughs> and I don't play with funnels. I'm not here to play around with funnels. I'm a hardcore lead generator. Someone does a search. Someone sees my ad. They can't look away from my ads. My ads are so good. They have to click on my ad. <laughs> they click on it. They go to the website. They call or they fill out the form because they have to. And then my clients make a lot of money. And that leads it me to wanting to be someone who clicks last click yep. as my attribution model yep. of preference. And the interesting thing for anyone out there, like, what should I use? There's a very cool page in there under tools and settings, measurement, attribution yes you can kind of see what i'm pretty sure you can see what your attribution percentage would be model comparison that's what i'm talking about yeah. it tells you what your conversion data would look like using different models and that's kind of your guide of hey how many of my conversions are actually coming from more than one click oh is it only five or three percent yeah. of them not a big deal oh it's actually 30 percent of them i could get some more insights yeah. and should change it you can get that answer in there one final thing chris I'm a hardcore lead generator, but who likes last click? But brand campaigns, brand. Someone does a search like divorce lawyer near me. Had a joke on another podcast I do, Chris, my own little thing, my own little yeah, thing. I and I said, I said, you do a search, divorce lawyer near me. And I said, rough search. You don't want to be doing that search, <laughs> but you do that search. <laughs> and I was like, I hope I never do that search. 
You do that search, divorce lawyer near me. Someone does that search. They click on your ad. They go to your website. They write down your name. They call you. And they're like, how much do you charge for a divorce? And they're like, $19.99. Didn't you see our sign on the intersection? And you're like, oh, yeah, I did see that. Well, I'm going to call you back. So then the next day, they look at what they wrote down. They search their name. They search the brand name. And then you have your brand ad. They click on the brand ad, and they call in, and the call lasts for five minutes, and it's conversion. Last click would give that all to brand. But really, that person was doing a generic divorce lawyer near me search first, and that one should probably get the credit. So if you're on the brand campaign, you may want to have your own conversion set up with their own attributions. Should we call it here? Do we need to call it, Chris? Have we gone on? Or are we going to keep going? I think I think we. I have no concept of time right now. <laughs> let's do let's do one more from from Amy. But before that, I want to remind you guys. Okay. Uh, pull your car over, stop running, and some of you wake up. You're listening to the podcast <laughs> while you're sleeping. That's just what are you doing? optiocom slash psp two. Sign up eight weeks for free. There's really no loss to trying it out. To figure out what you can do, what you can gain from it. Um, these guys have been very generous. If you would have listened to us a couple of years ago, you would have heard they're only doing four weeks. Ugh. Those losers had to pay for the next four weeks. You don't. You can do eight weeks. So try it out. OPTEO.com slash PSP2. You'll see on the screen that there's only a 30-day free trial. Tell them you hear about Optio from the Paid Search Podcast and you'll get eight. Let's go to Amy from Charleston, South Carolina. With so oh this oh she starts so poetically with the, you know I'm I'm going to read it like I feel I feel the emotion here. <clears throat> with so many moving parts on our e-commerce site, AB testing on pages, cynic I don't know what that word is. C- c- cyclical. Cyclical review. Oh, nope, still got it wrong. Cyclical revenue swings. Man, this Amy, just write a book. New products monthly and fresh ad copy every two months. What do I do when revenue and ROAS, that's return on ad spend, both go down after a nice run? Should I focus on maintaining the ROAS? Might they both dip and come back together? Keep up the great work. Six stars. If you guys could take a moment to appreciate how well Amy wrote her question, every one of you write a question like that. That is so well enunciated. Chris, I don't think they can take a moment to appreciate it because they just heard you read it. <laughs> and you, I did you great. totally messed I did up too. her nice okay, words. Cyclical you revenue. Did horrible. Is, I only missed that part, okay? <laughs> All right, fine. Answer the question, Jason. I don't do e-commerce. Oh, gosh. Okay. No, I'm just kidding, Chris. Honestly, uh, after listening to Amy's uh, question there, I'm 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 even more scared of e-commerce. That there's a lot going on there, and I can totally see myself in an e-commerce campaign where the data just goes bad on me, and I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't make any major changes. Yeah. I guess what here here's what I'll say: if I was doing e-commerce and we had a good run, great run, profitable, you're tracking all the revenue and that kind of stuff, and you know you're actually making a profit, it's an amazing thing. It's a money machine. And then it goes south on you and the data changes. I'll tell you what I would be thinking, and then you can tell me if this stuff applies to e-commerce and uh, 
and what you would do. So just a quick list. First thing I would be thinking, uh, did I do something wrong? Well, I probably wouldn't be thinking that because I'm a firstborn child. Right. And of course I never not. did anything wrong. No. And I don't have that kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it, that kind of burden I live with as an adult. <laughs> I've seen some other adults live with. They're always looking, did I mess up? Did I mess up? <laughs> no, you didn't mess up. You're just a, you know, I'm a firstborn, Chris. I'm a firstborn, you know. There is something to that. But anyway, so I wouldn't think, did I mess up? But the way I would think about it is, was there some change that we made? Even if I was not the only one on the account, if it was speaking about it in a negative way, I would refer to it we? as we, even though right. if it was only it's me. Only you. Did we make a mistake? Yeah. So I'd be thinking, was there something we messed up or changed recently? Or did we change the bidding? Did we change... Uh, did we add a bunch of negative keywords, like a ton of them? And maybe we added one that was too restrictive accidentally. Maybe we have a loose keyword we added. Is there something we did? So I'd review what we had done since the data went south on me. I would do an audit since that time period, try to figure out what's changed. I'd look at search terms over that time period, look at 40% less search terms, uh, than we used to get. I'm over it. And I'd also be thinking about product changes. Does something change with Google Ads? Is there now a new section that shows up there and now we actually show up in a different place or something like that? The final thing I'd be thinking about, they make make Google Ads tough because they kind of interrupt you with Google Ads. It's you, it's Google Ads, it's a customer, everyone's making money. And then these damn competitors come in (laughs) and try to mess everything up and try to do the same thing you're doing and also make money from Google Ads. And you're like, oh, oh, just get out of here. But they're in there. And I'll be thinking, did they raise their bids? Did a bunch of people raise their bids? So product changes, competitors, some mistake we made, and just an overall audit. That's where my mind would be going for a regular search. Does all that apply to e-commerce? Is there anything else I'm missing? Um, well, I I don't know. It feels, it, it feels very – I like the approach. You systematically go through. But let's say – I agree with you, but I would say, let's say you can't find it. You know, let's assume Amy is really good at what she does here and she can't find it. So let's answer the question. I mean, she's asking, should I focus on maintaining the ROAS? So let's say you've done that. And I would say in that case, no, don't try and maintain the ROAS uh, as as your primary thing. Uh, You know, if you can't find what's going along, and say it's tanking, it's going down and down and down. My thought is this, you're going to either do one of two things, and you could do both at different times, but you can't do them both at the same time, but you might do one of two things. Uh, the first is tighten the belt on the can- on the entire campaign. Start cutting off demographics, start cutting off time of day, start cutting off... Uh, uh, devices, certain keywords, you know, things like that. Start shutting things down completely, eliminating, excluding it from the campaign. Uh, geographic targeting, there's a lot that you can start slimming down this campaign to get to the stuff that works the best. Now, that may help you eventually start maintaining ROAS, but if you continue at the same path that you're doing, what in the world makes you think that you're going to suddenly start being successful? Like you're just waiting for the gears to just pop back into place and it starts working again? No. I'm going to say be proactive, shrink things down, cut things off, cut the fat, slow spin down so that they can pop back up and get tight on ROAS and then you can slowly expand it back. Okay. The other thing, let's say that doesn't work. The next thing is 
go big and go fat with it, right? Uh, start going really high funnel out there with new keywords. Try broad keyword stuff. Try stuff that's kind of, you know, that, that was that you may not necessarily be able to afford, but you can go out there and start fishing for new ideas. If you're not using modified broad, try modified broad. If you're not using pure broad, try pure broad. Try, I'm sorry, Jason, Try maximize clicks a little bit. Try some automated stuff. Just get fat and sloppy and nasty with it and then see what happens there, okay? So try both of those. Shrink and grow, shrink and grow. Try different things and then, mm. you know, eventually you'll find something that works and then you can try and bring the the ROAS back in. That's that's what does it for me for, for e-commerce because you you can't sit there. You'll get fired because when it comes to Chris, e-commerce, I'm, I'm, I'm having- you have to make money. You have to have a positive no, ROAS. You're going to get fired. No, but I'm having trouble with this one because that's a really tough spot to be in. You're telling me you looked at your date range last 30 days and it stopped working 30 days ago and you compared it to the 30 days before when it was working. You look at each column. You try to isolate what the problem was. You're telling me with e-commerce you can find yourselves in, in a spot where you can't figure out what went wrong and you're just – the game changed on you. Does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is it worse on e-commerce than search? Because like I feel like on search, most of the time I can pin down like, oh, our cost per click skyrocketed. I can see that comparison. A competitor's bidding a lot. Here's how I adjust that. Or, oh, this search term popped in. It's getting 25% of the traffic. It's garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's really unsettling to think about being in a spot where, and it has happened over the years, but where things just totally changed on you and you you can't figure out what happened and you've got to basically kind of not start from scratch, but basically give up the past. Basically yep. that happens. Oh, yeah. Is that more of an e-commerce thing or? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's specific to e-commerce, but you know, apart from itemizing, I'm assuming you can't find it by itemizing something by looking at the metrics and, and, and because I'll tell you what me and you do when we look at the metrics, that's where me and you shine It's because people want to know you know, like, hey, I'm looking at the same thing as you. We're little detectives. Yeah, they look at the same thing as us and they don't see it. So I'm imagining yeah. what if they can't see it and I can't see it. In that case, yeah, get real thin, slim, everything. So you, you have two options. Don't don't keep doing what's not working. Right? I like that mindset. Yep. And you're like, okay, right. Middle ground's not working anymore. We need to tighten it up. Start with basics. Start small. Start focus. Start on what we think is going to work best. Mm-hmm. Or if that's not working either, then we got to go big. We got to know our results are not going to be good overall. But are there some gems within all that data we can find right. and then focus and drill down on? Like that strategy, I, Chris. The the only thing I'll yeah, go I, ahead. I was going to tell you that. And then I've got one perfect more example for e-commerce. I have a client where a certain phrase was um, was perfect it was the number one phrase on how people found them before coronavirus came after coronavirus this certain phrase the the meaning of it completely changed and it was no longer a relevant thing because when people search for this you automatically assumed it's for a different purpose and so all these competitors came in that offered that new type of purpose and suddenly oh, this keyword broke. It, it just doesn't work anymore. So they're having to scramble for new <laughs> ways sucks. to find it. Yeah. So that's, a, that's an e-commerce. That's a very unlucky break there. Yeah. That's wow. an e-commerce right there. Yep. 
So what did you do? You went, you kind of just gave up on, because it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. What was yeah, the, the int- that started failing? Literally, and, the, literally you, the yeah. culture changed and the intent of that keyword changed. And, uh, you know, if, if people are interested, we could talk about it on Patreon, uh, you know, a little bit about what. No, I don't, I don't need an AdWords manager. I don't need a Google Ads manager. I check my ads once a month and it works. No, maybe you need someone doing expert work because anything can happen. Anything can happen. Chris, one thing I'll say, you got me nervous. I'm a big believer in uh, what was working. And the one issue with that strategy of going small or going big is if you do it to that campaign that had brought you this far, that had been working, you can never get back to where it was. And you are totally cutting ties with the past because you're just going to mess up all your data and you and all your adjustments and you'll never get back there. So are you willing to do that? Or do you think people should copy and paste the campaign and leave the old one there uh, untouched so they can get back to it if they ever want to? Or should they do experiments? Or are you just kind of like, hey, you're writing in because it's not working. It's not working. Let's just – or you're asking yourself that because it's not working, we got to change it up. Yeah. You're willing to cut ties with the past that way. Yep. At that point, I have no assurance. I've very rarely seen a campaign that crashes and burns. This, you know, the the ROAS goes low. It it loses all the stuff. I very rarely do I see a system come back to where it was. You know, somehow recover by continuing and doing the same thing. So, absolutely, I, it, it, the days are gone of what we used to have. More than that, and then get serious about finding something new. Find your new success because very rarely. Do, I don't ever see a, a, a curve back up. It doesn't do that. If, it, if this was a normal marketing podcast, bring a full circle here, like Joe mentioned in his review, a boring one, I teed you up so good right there to I go, did. well, Jason, one is the definition of insanity. Oh, gosh. It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. I'm so glad we are not. Would have been beautiful, yeah. right? I'm so there. glad we're Good not market, that. in a regular market. Instead, podcast. I'm going to use words like get fat and get lean and get sloppy. Mm. That's how you know it's real. I was wondering has has anybody ever said that? That came out in a very <laughs> kind of way. Like we know you've said those same exact words mm-hmm. before. Sloppy. And the problem is, say it again. That that phrase. Get fat. Get lean. Get sloppy. Yeah, the way you said it the first time, it's like there's no way that's the first time you've ever said it. So the question is, in what context had you said that in the past? And Jason, I will tell and you we'll answer that in Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. If you're not willing to pay the two bucks, get out.